Hello and welcome to Frontline, keeping a tab on China's hottest high-tech developments. I'm Sam Duckett in Beijing. Coming up on today's show, Chiu Huiguang will be telling us all about the recent 17th International China Industry Fair. I will be giving you all the details on a new application for Facebook, and Law Liming will be joining me for the Wild Web discussion. And today we will be talking about Android Wear. Now to kick off today's show, robots and new energy automobiles have been the highlights at the 17th China International Industry Fair, which is going on in East China's Shanghai. Now let's follow our reporter Chu Huiguang to take a closer look. The most cutting-edge robots made by both domestic and foreign manufacturers are on display during the robotics show. Among all the robots on the show, those independently developed by Chinese companies account for about half. Dai Liu, deputy director of the fair's organizing committee office, introduces. The robots outnumber visitors in this 30,000 square meter exhibition hall. It is the first time that we gather all the professional robot technologies and showcase them here in China. The industry fair has become one of the most important platforms to showcase the intellectual creations invented in China. It marked the first time they added areas for domestic robots and aerospace-theme-related robots. Feng Fei is the vice minister of industry and information technology. There are a few highlights in innovation and structural adjustment, especially smart manufacturing, showcased on this industry fair. Our technologies are advancing, and industrialization capability is getting stronger, especially in the field of equipment manufacturing. High-end equipment manufacturing is also facing some new breakthroughs. The new energy automobiles and latest technologies displayed on the industry fair reflect the latest achievements of China's innovation in this sector. The latest data from the China Association of Automobile Manufacturers shows that the total output of new energy automobiles reached over 144,000, and sales reached about 137,000 units in the first three quarters of this year. Sales of new energy automobiles are expected to exceed 200,000 units by the end of this year. Feng Fei explains the operational objectives in the future. The key for our next step is accelerating the promotion of usage. We should especially promote the construction of charging facilities, which becomes the bottleneck of the expansion of usage. And secondly, I think we should further inspire the companies. This year's industry fair encompasses nine categories, including robotics and aerospace technology. With more than 2,200 companies from 28 countries and regions attendance. Frontline, bringing you the leading edge in technology. Welcome back to Frontline. Facebook is testing out a new facial recognition feature, which is called Cool Photo Magic. The new feature prompts users to send photos via Messenger to people directly in the shots. The test has already hit Australia with both the iOS and Android platform. The new application will run on the same technology as Facebook Moments, and friends of the user will need to have Moments installed on their browser or mobile device. 
The app should start to open up in several countries outside of Australia in the coming months. The new app will allow Facebook users to share images with friends more conveniently via face recognition. It will be a welcome feature to an already powerful social media tool. TV customers are now able to sign up for Time Warner Cable TV Box or APP. There was a lot of hype for the service before it was even officially announced. The box has already rolled out a trial plan in which testers will receive 20 plus TV channels, including ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC. The contract for the service will cost 10 US dollars a month, and users will be prompted to sign a 12-month contract. During the trial period, the service will only be available in New York City. The move by Time Warner shows growing trends for online TV and the convenience and benefits it offers. Eco-friendly rides and self-driving vehicles are stealing all the headlines at the just-concluded annual Tokyo Motor Show in Japan. Japanese automakers Toyota, Honda, and Lexus are all debuting their new concept vehicles, which embrace lower carbon technologies in comparison to traditional petrol engines. And now here is Law Liming with the details. Automobiles are coming in all shapes and sizes at the Tokyo Motor Show in Japan. On Toyota's stand, they are even glowing like something out of a sci-fi movie. On home soil, Toyota President Akio Toyoda introduced a collection of concept cars. Toyota will produce better cars and will make an effort towards realizing an enjoyable mobility environment. What wants you is to be brave and meet the challenge. We will always continue to stand in the batter's box to meet the challenges in the future. The key concept car Toyota is unveiling this year is this new generation fuel cell vehicle called the Toyota FCV Plus. The vehicle has the capability to generate electricity by using hydrogen stored outside the vehicle. In that way, the car can function not only as a vehicle but also be used as a sort of portable power plant. Hans Grammel, an auto journalist who specializes in Asia's auto industry, says this year's motor show features a range of eco-themed cars. At this year's Tokyo Motor Show, you're going to see a lot of activity from the Japanese makers, in particular, on their home turf,、um, coming out with new kinds of green cars, new environmentally friendly cars. For everything from fuel cells, you'll have those from Honda and from Toyota, to、uh, electric vehicles, which just about is represented by just about everybody here.、Um, the other trend you're going to see is this autonomous driving trend, the self-driving cars. All of the automakers、uh, are going to have some kind of Version of their vision for where that kind of self-driving car technology will go, and that's going to be a centerpiece of the presentations here. Volkswagen representatives used the presentation at the motor show to again apologize for the company's recent emission scandal. Despite none of the affected vehicles being sold in Japan, the company acknowledged the problems have damaged Japanese trust in the brand. They also used the event to present the company's new Tiguan GTE concept car to Asian audiences. Previously unveiled at Frankfurt Motor Show, the concept is an SUV which boasts hybrid drive technology. Volkswagen CEO of passenger cars Herbert Dias says the car starts in full electric mode, which has a range of 50 kilometers that will cover most daily drives. Depending. On the amount of sunshine, it can be driven, driven even further. That is because a solar module that can contribute enough energy for an additional 
1,000 kilometers per year. Honda claims their new Clarity fuel cell vehicle is the first production model to consolidate the fuel cell powertrain under the vehicle's hood. That means it allows spacious area in the rest of the vehicle, something some previous fuel cell vehicles didn't deliver. The Japanese automaker also showed the latest version of its NSX. Originally introduced in 1990, the new version is a hybrid sports car which uses both petrol and electric power. The NSX has been a popular sports car for the brand. Many see this as a reflection of Honda's F1 race technology. Takahiro Hachigo is the president and CEO of Honda Motor Corporation. Honda This new NSX boasts the lightweight body frame, and with newly developed twin-turbocharged V6 engines installed in the middle part of the car, this is a super sports car equipped with a three-motor hybrid system, so that it can meet both demands: the fun of driving and good fuel mileage. Nissan is showing off this Tetro for Days concept car, which boasts seats and surfaces that can be used to display videos and images. Passengers can enjoy playing games that surround them in the car. Nissan also unveiled its other major concept called the IDS concept, sharing its vision for future autonomous driving technology in the process. This concept vehicle is loaded with laser scanners. A 360-degree camera setup, radar, and computer technology that makes autonomous navigation possible. Lexus, Toyota's luxury car brand, is unveiling this stylish hybrid coupe concept called LFFC. Takuo Fukuichi is Lexus International President. We hope that with this design, drivers will experience a ride that is full of emotion and joy. The original version was unveiled in 2012, but is yet to go to market. That was Law Liming reporting. A startup company called Revolves has started an online campaign to build multi-fit headphones. The problem with headphones is that the shape of our ear is about as unique as our fingerprint, which means that a style of headphones that some people love, other people may completely hate. Revolves has come up with this novel idea of producing headphone buds that are made from a gel that fit and mold to the listener regardless of their ear shape. All the user has to do is plug them in, click on the company's companion app, and they will start molding into the appropriate shape that is comfortable for the user. Once they set, they will harden, and they will stay in that shape from then on. The company has already reached their crowdfunding goal of one hundred thousand U.S. dollars, so users may see this new product on digital shelves in the not too distant future. Microsoft has finally released the Windows 10 update for their Xbox One gaming platform. The update, which comes after months of teasing, advertising, and beta tests, will be available as a free download for Xbox One users. The new system will offer a new UI interface and backwards compatibility, allowing Xbox One users to play Xbox 360 games on their latest gaming generation hardware. Providing the users Xbox One has set up their instant on feature. The download would have happened automatically. It is a staged rollout, so a lot of the new features will not be available immediately. Microsoft Windows 10 operating system has proven popular on computers and mobile devices, and this latest update will allow the gaming world to experience a wide range of new features and backwards compatibility. 
India is one of the world's fastest growing and youngest smartphone markets, and entrepreneurs are pouring resources into the world of social dating. Homegrown dating apps are attracting hundreds of thousands of users, and could even pose an alternative to traditional arranged marriages. Now let's go to Zhou Jinlan for the details. New Delhi is partying hard, both offline and online. This might look like an ordinary club event, but there's a crucial difference. All the guests are users of an Indian dating app called Truly Madly, and they are all hoping to meet someone special. More than 150 people turned up to this event called Unsingle, dancing to a blend of Bollywood music and Sufi beats. With more than 700,000 downloads in 10 months, Truly Madly is India's most popular social dating app. One of its users is 30-year-old Vendreda Paul, a project analyst at a software development firm. Dating apps have become her favorite pastime. She says they put women like her in the driving seat. People are modernizing. People are thinking out of the block. So yeah, yes. Why not? Why not give it a shot? The success of social dating apps might seem surprising in India, where arranged marriage is the norm, and marrying outside of your religious or ethnic community is often taboo. But young people growing up in an era of economic growth and modernization are embracing Western ideas, and are increasingly willing to risk scandal to do so. The dating app market has exploded in recent years. With more than a dozen companies operating in India and more than a million smartphone users who have downloaded at least one of them, Sachin Patia, 42, co-founder of Truly Madly, says his app provides an alternative to matrimony websites that have been very popular in India. He believes the patriarchal tradition of men rejecting and accepting marriage proposals is going to be reversed. The newer generation,、uh, the people we are in touch with, the 18 to 26 year old, are certainly not going to go to、uh, matrimony side. So that audience is going to disappear from matrimony side, and those guys are going to come to social discovery apps for single dating apps like ours. India's largest matrimonial website, Shadi.com, has noticed the shift toward dating. Earlier, it purchased a 25% stake in Thrill. Another dating app created in India by two American entrepreneurs, co-founder Josh Israel, 28, says he packed up and moved to India after seeing the surge in smartphone use, coupled with a large population of young people. When we moved here, there was no bars; no one was really going there any night of the week. There was maybe one little location that hipsters and tourists hung out at. If you go there any day of the week, right now, two and a half years later, the place is packed. There's ten, twenty bars you can go to, and it's crawling with college women, college guys, and everyone just having a good time drinking. I mean, we, that that alone showed us that okay, this is this is going to happen. Both Patia and Israel say their biggest target is getting women to sign up to their apps. Developers say succeeding in the social dating market in India means convincing women that their security is being protected. A series of high-profile cases of gang rape and violence against women in recent years has led to front-page headlines and stricter laws on women's safety.
A host of dating apps now offer safety features to safeguard female users from potential stalkers and fakes. Patia says the Truly Madly app encourages men to follow verification measures that might raise red flags over privacy in the West. While each male user profile is up for scrutiny on the app, female users can control who sees their profile, as the app only allows guys they have liked to view them. Indian dating apps reject more than a quarter of people who try to log on. Men can even get rejected for a picture that shows them holding a beer bottle or cigarettes. While these dating apps extensively target women through marketing and product design, only 35% of their users are females. Dating app developers are hoping more women will be tempted to sign up to see what's on offer, even if they still decide to leave it up to their parents to choose their Mr. Rights. Thank you, Georgie Nan. That was interesting. It's amazing how tech is just changing the way that we live our lives. Anyway, we're going to take a short intermission, but stay with us because coming up next we'll have Law Liming in the studio for today's edition of the Wild Web Discussion. I'm going to be talking about Android Wear. That's watches with smart capabilities. It's going to be good, so stay tuned. The Wild Web, breaking new ground in the world of technology. Now I've Laura Liming in the studio for today's edition of the Wild Web discussion, and we're going to be talking about wearable smartwatches by Android, in particularly the second edition Watch Urban by LG, that have now been fitted with LTE connecting, meaning they don't need to be connected to a smartphone anymore; they can run completely on their own. Now, this few information in this report from、uh, Engadget.com, we can't know whether they have in- installed a SIM card slot in that phone. Do the users absolutely have to put in a, an alternate SIM card? Well, I think that's probably the most pressing question on this topic, Liming. Do we think that smartwatches are eventually going to come to the point where they don't need to be connected to a phone, where they can just work independently with a SIM card connected into it? And access all of their online features. I think that's what we expect from wearable devices. Eventually, they have to be able to run independently from a well, smartphone. Well, hold up a second, Lyman. You're talking about how we expect this, but no, I I actually fully disagree. I think when this technology first came out, when Apple and Samsung and all these other companies started advertising these smartwatches to us. The biggest selling point was the convenience of not having to reach for your phone every time you got a message, because the phones connect to your watch. If a message comes up on your phone, a text message or a WeChat message or a Weibo message, you could check it on your phone, and if it's important, you could get your phone out. If it's something you don't need to reply to or send a quick reply to, you could use your watch. And that convenience for me was the reason that a lot of people wanted to buy these new smartware products. No, I don't think so. I think as great as the smartphone industry is. I think smartphones are ultimately a contingency. I mean, the, the the at the end of the day, we want a device that we can carry around us that can help us read messages and、uh, and fulfill other functions. Smartphones are only a contingency. If I have a wearable device that allows me to do that, then I'll get rid of a phone. But Liming, I think you're forgetting a few important details here. First of all. If we've got a smartphone, we know that that screen is big enough for t- for us to text and type and use different gestures, and it's getting to the point where we can use a smartphone in the same way that in the same manner 
and almost with the same productivity that we would use a computer. Whereas with a smart watch, because it's so much smaller, there are a lot of basic functions and applications that we just can't use on it as well as we could on a phone. But as time moves on and as technology matures, I'm sure we will be able to do more on on wearable devices such as、uh, mobile watches,、uh, whereas uh, uh, smartphones that we we are using now today. I'd expect people, especially the producers, maybe in the future they will try and upgrade the computing capacity. That maybe in the future we'll be carrying a phone, but it won't be just a phone. There will be like our personal computer, but but portable. We can use it to do more complicated stuff, like more complicated computing or or bigger games. I think that, that kind of that sort of renders、um, the iPad Pro obsolete in the future. I, I actually do agree with you there in terms of a technological standpoint. I think the great thing about these phones and these tablet devices are their their CPU seems to get bigger and bigger with every device. We've gone from the A7 chip in the iPhone to the A10, which is I think Apple's latest chip. And when you look at the advancements they're making, the technology is definitely on a climb. The problem is that for us to be able to use it in a fashion. That would be able to be on par with a computer. We need to be able to communicate with the technology in a much more convenient, intelligent manner. Because if we're not able to do that, and it can't plateau the ease of using a keyboard and a mouse,、oh. it's not going to take on as quickly as you'd think. I actually can't find a very、uh, strong argument against that, but I, I I believe maybe in five years there will be、uh, enough technology for us to, for example, make more efficient use of more portable devices. I think so, and I think the same conclusion that we're both drawing to here is it's not just about bulking up muscle and having a bigger CPU and a more powerful processor. You've also got to look at the updates that are being made to software and how we communicate with this processor, and they are happening. We're seeing. I got a great new. Keyboard. It's actually an old app, but I only got it very recently called Go Keyboard. And what it allows me to do is, when I'm typing on my iPhone, liming, I can swipe my finger across from key to key、oh. rather than pressing them. Okay.、Uh, it's a lot quicker, and it's a software, an application that I think would be very applicable to a watch device. No, I don't think that's the direction we are going in the future. I, I suppose maybe in the future, voice recognition technology like Siri and Cortana is going to replace keyboards. So you think I'll just be able to talk to my watch and it'll help me send an email? Yes, it's very possible, but I don't think it's going to be very popular straight away because when you're sitting on the subway sending a message to your to your loved ones, do you read it aloud as you're sending it? Do you sit on the subway, hold your phone, and、mm. type and go, "I want chicken for dinner. I love you." You don't say that aloud on the subway. I've、oh, never heard you do that's it. That's a good point. And for that reason alone, I think voice recognition is going to be problematic in terms of privacy in public spaces, and there are limitations to what that software can do. Who knows? Maybe something something that you can wear as clothes might happen in the future. A smart suit. Yes, it's like that film by Jackie Chan, The Tuxedo. I think one of your personal favorites, right, Liming? No. I swear, you said you loved the tuxedo a long time ago. Back to the story, very quickly. It does look like smartwatches are the way forward. We do think the devices are going to pick up in popularity, and if they're offering their own personalised LTE connections, and they don't have to rely solely on smartphone devices, that does seem clearly like the first big step forward in what is going to be a marathon sprint. For smartwatches, and also offering more opportunities for producers of smartphones. Maybe they can build、uh, bigger devices. Maybe as well, because you're creating a distinction. So smartwatches will be used in the future for certain functions, such as communications. But if you're watching a film or a television show 
or doing artwork or whatever, you're going to want a bigger screen. And that's where smartphones and possibly tablet devices are going to have their market. Thank you, Laura and Ming. That actually brings us to the end of this edition of Frontline. We hope you enjoyed it and see you next week.